Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where two friends get together and talk about the story behind the matches. I'm Matt. And I'm Michael. Welcome to episode 20, Great American Bash 1988. The price for freedom. Uh, Yours says a price for freedom in your notes. Mine says the price for freedom. Who's right? I don't know. Okay, it's close enough. It's all preposition. A price for freedom, which is... What the cost of the pay per view? How much were pay per views back then? Like, probably still 20 bucks. Probably 25, 30 bucks. Something Damn. like that. I don't think that was freedom. No. But Great American Bash was produced by Jim Crockett Productions under the NWA banner and was the first Great American Bash to be produced as a pay per view. The last three we've watched have all been tour. Yeah, like, yeah. Tour like events, highlight videos. Yeah, bad, bad quality tapes that were ripped onto the internet. <laughs> And this event was held at the Baltimore And most of them Arena. have been outside, too. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them have been... I mean, in... they're normally collections of, of stuff, because like the Great American Bash was like a tour, well, as like, opposed to like one show. Seven was the War Games one, and they had that at both the oh, Charlotte, yeah. Charlotte football field and then the Miami Orange Bowl. Oh, okay. So the, big, the, the two big shows of the tour were outside Outside, shows. and that's basically what they took from. Uh, this one was not outside. This one's not outside. It was at the Baltimore Arena in Baltimore, Maryland on July 10th, 1988. And we'll get used to Baltimore Arena. The, they, <laughs> it basically becomes the home of the Great American Bash for Oh, really? For for yeah. quite a few years. I think Kinda I like think how uh, like what I is think it they like they go um, basically like 8 years in a row to really? this place. Kind of yeah. like how Greensboro is like the home of like Starcade, right? Exactly. Great American Bash drew an attendance of 14,000 people, and it got over 200,000 buys on pay-per-view. Sounds like a lot. Seems like JCP and NWA are doing pretty good business, right? Yeah. This is the last NWA show. Oh, so where we become WCW? We do become WCW after this show. But we'll talk more about that. I'll praise the not-so-frozen head of Ted Turner. At the uh, on the next NWA WCW show, we like to always give a little context around July 10th. What you got? Both released the week after, so right around the 17th or so. Die Hard was released, the great American Christmas movie. You're you're a Die Hard Christmas truther. I, am. <laughs> I don't then, really care enough to have a strong opinion, but I mean, it is a great movie. Uh, it is a great movie. I mean. I, I joke that it's my favorite Christmas movie. Yeah. It's, it, it, so it, it, you know? Sure. Everything revolves sure. around Christmas in it. Yeah, I mean, why not? Like, it's what's a, Chris, a, what, it's like, a Christmas party like, that they're uh, going to. Yeah, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. That's like, you know, well, oh, what's that? What's the guy's name? Shane Black. Shane Black, yeah. Everything he does is everything, like Christmas. Everything does Christmas. Except for The Predator. Iron Man 3. The, oh, the Iron Man 3 does Christmas. Oh, that's right. It does yeah. do Christmas. Uh, the Predator, which was uh, really upsetting because I was very excited. That a guy that was in Predator that's made some movies that I enjoy was making a Predator movie, and then he made 
a movie that was probably worse than like Alien versus Predator. Oh, that's pretty, it's pretty. Yeah, don't. Yeah, ten ten would not suggest. There's Alien vs. Predator. There's Alien vs. Predator Requiem. Yeah, which is like yeah, you're you're going down. And then and then Predator. And then the Predator. Uh, in the Predator, the Predator is like trying to steal a kid that has autism because they think it's going to be like the next step in human just, evolution. Just that sentence. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're just, just that sentence like, made me cringe. Yeah, like I saw, I saw it in the theater uh, with a friend and I was like, I can't believe they're doing this right now. And like Olivia Munn actually has to say that like autism, some people believe that autism is the next like step in human evolution. And I was like, you can't say that in a movie. <laughs> it was insane. Wow. I think Shane Black, I don't know if Shane Black actually, uh, it's like, how did you, I don't know. I started laughing out loud. It became a comedy like five minutes in, and that was that was much later into the film. But like five minutes in, the movie was just really funny because it was so bad. So I enjoyed myself only for comedic purposes. And everyone's favorite, Aruba, Jamaica. Ooh, I wanna take ya. I hot take cocktail, or do you not like the Beach Boys? I've never seen the cocktail. I like the Beach Boys. It's not the Beach Boys without Brian Wilson, and that's not. Oh, that's. That's true, and that's not Brian Wilson. That's like that song. That song always makes me think of Kermit the Frog. I feel like it was used in a like I, I don't know if it was used in like Muppet Babies or something, but I I have like I'm sure that, it was yeah, I'm sure it was used um, yeah I'm sure it was used in it's obviously been used in a bunch of stuff, but I always think of like maybe some something where Kermit the Frog uh, and like the Muppets were doing something with that song. I'm not sure exactly what it. I had every time I hear that song, I think of Kermit the Frog. Obviously, the song we're talking about is Kokomo, because it would, you know, from the movie Cocktail. Is Cocktail worth my time? Um, it's fun. Um, How do you feel about Top Gun? Are you a Top Gun I'm guy? I'm a Top Gun guy. See, I'm the, I'm the exact opposite. I love Top Gun. I, I hate it. I, I made, I heard a friend's feeling once, and I was like, will you just stop talking about, I was like, will you just fucking stop talking about Top Gun? And he, like, his face changed, and I was, I felt really bad afterwards, but I was like, he really loves that movie. He grew up with it, so I get you it. But you're I, like Goose to my Maverick, I, right? I don't mind being that. I just don't. As long as we don't have to watch the movie. As long as we can create our own movie. Uh, we, we can do whatever. <laughs> but let's go ahead and move on to the, the actual Great American Bash. Logo comes flying onto the screen. Yep, up in the graphic game. A video package showing highlights of, of some of what's set up. Yes. Some of the matches on the it's, show. It looks really good. I like it. it they don't ever ever talk about it during the no, show. No, it's just uh, nice we, to know that so it's, it's there, but you really have no context to what they're showing us. And then the words "Tower of Doom" bom, bom, bom. across the screen. At this point, where you like, what is, is the, the Tower, Tower of Doom? Yeah. Well, I'm not sure exactly. I know, so you might have to describe it to me here in a little bit. It's mine. <laughs> But we go straight to our first match, which was Sting and Nikita Koloff versus Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard with J.J. Dillon for the NWA World Tag Team Championship. Koloff has hair, and it's a crew cut, and it looks horrible. Yeah, but Sting's looking pretty hot. Sting's looking good, but also Koloff has gotten off the steroids yes i was like is that, is that he's like it's almost a totally totally different person so i don't know if you remember from clash but he does this interview and we like literally made oh, the joke yeah, that he was yeah. like has he become the anti-drug spokesman for yeah the it kind of makes sense now yeah he he like realized it literally true real life maybe somebody was like yo you gotta stop juice not kayfabe real life <laughs> yeah here. 
he realized that anabolic steroids were bad for him. Or at least the way he was using them. So you got to cycle off sometimes, man. At least for, I don't know much about steroids, but from what I understand, there's safer ways to do them than they were probably doing. They they totally were. Yeah. And we get Tony Schiavone and Jim Ross as our announcers for the evening. And I don't know if you noticed this, but the tag belts were, it was a new design for those. Oh, okay. So those are new. And the match starts, and Tully slaps Sting, and it breaks down into a brawl to of open course. up this match. Static tag, all tag matches should start with a little brawl. And, and most mean, of them do. <laughs> it's true. We get a early small package from Sting yep. uh, while, while the brawling's going on. Sting with a drop kick on Arn, and then a Pescado to the outside. Sting loves these Pescados. He was like the first suicide diver. <laughs> Every time I, Pescado makes me think of fish, too. It's like similar to the way you say fish in Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> Koloff's wearing down arm with an arm bar to slow down the match, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Koloff then gives Russian sickles to both horsemen, but doesn't go for a cover. Arn then locks, locks, locks on the sleeper. I got you, bud. But Sting falls forward to send Anderson into the turnbuckle. Sting puts the armbar back on Arn, but Anderson reverses it, which brings Tully in, and the horsemen have both of Sting's arms. Sting then flips over and hip-tosses Blanchard. It's cool. It's really cool. It was a really (laughs) cool little sequence. Then Sting hops up and gives both of them a drop kick. Sting's so good. Sting is, is like, he's, he's our, I think he's our... NWA like steamboat. Or he's our new, new NWA steamboat. Yeah, yeah, our new one. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he's definitely got all the tools, as they say. As Nikita locks on an armbar once again, Tully keeps trying to get to the ropes. Now, did it feel like the ring was a little bit smaller than it usually is? Because it, it was like, like I don't know. Literally, it felt like they were in the middle of the ring, and he was reaching out and still almost touching to get the tag. Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, like, maybe I, one of those. The perspective yeah. of I know that, like, a, like every there's not like a real, really a ring standard size over time. I don't think. I mean, like, like, I mean, like, I think WWF uses X amount of, I of think size they use ring. Eighteen by eighteen. Yeah. I think AEW is using like 20 by twenty. Yeah. So I mean, I, I think New Japan uses eighteen by eighteen. Yeah, and there's well. like different kinds of ropes too. Like I, yeah, like New th- Japan's different kinds. Yeah, of like different New Japan's ropes are way different. I think. Yeah, they're like these big rubber things as opposed to like the cable that's like wrapped. We, I mean, at least the current New Japan. And there will be ring technicians that will come out in between matches. Like, I I was at All Out, and Mm -hmm. I remember ring technicians coming out and loosening or tightening. You went to All Out? Or no, All Out hasn't happened. I was like, like, wait a second, that hasn't even happened. All in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, They tightened the ropes Mm. a little bit. Be, uh, for the main event because it was the Young Bucks and Do- yeah. Rey Mysterio. Oh, yeah. So there's a lot more flippy, yeah, yeah. flippy stuff. Those guys are going to use it different. And yeah, they, they also... use it a little bit differently. Yeah. So they tighten That's up cool. the rope so it gives them a little bit more balance. I mean, there's definitely shows we've watched where we're just like, oh my God, those ropes are like silly string. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, like super couple loose. Of those first WWE it's like, it's like, yeah, it's like, I feel like if you put like, you know, a real big guy, like if like Big Boss Man tried to go off the ropes, you'd just like, like, hit the ground, be able to touch the ground. Fall the ground. Yeah. yeah. Tully then tries to tag Arn in with his foot. Is that legal? I, the ref doesn't allow <laughs> it, so I'm not, okay. I don't think okay. so. I don't, I don't remember catching that. Nikita and Sting trade places. 
by clapping their hands together to sound like a tag. <laughs> Some real heel shit. I didn't catch that, but that's awesome. What if uh, that's a that sounds like an NWA stipulation? It's a tag match, but you can only tag with feet. <laughs> Sting then takes over the armbar for like two seconds, and then tags Nikita right back in. It was like, why did we even do this? They're just killing time, man. Yeah, think. <laughs> cool off with an atomic drop and a hip toss, and then back to the armbar. And after an Irish whip, Nikita comes off the ropes with a flying shoulder block that looked pretty bad, and then a clothesline that sends both men to the floor. But it wasn't a DQ because they went over the top rope. On that. Oh, I don't remember rules that don't ever get used. <laughs> Everybody, like, that's a I rule in the NWA. If you go over the top rope, if you send someone over the top rope, it's a disqualification. But it happens multiple times in this show, and no one has gets disqualified. It, I mean, it's hard to tell because a lot of these, like, older the shows. momentum that takes them over. All these, that's what they say. A lot of these older shows that we've watched, like, the match will just end sometimes, and we'll be like, okay, what happened? Try to figure it out. But has it ever been because somebody got thrown over the top just for convenience sake? I mean, I don't. Know I don't. I don't remember. Certain. I just know, like, like in some of these earlier shows that we watch, I'm sure we would like, we'd watch, watch somewhere. it, and I'd be like, to be like, wait, what, what? It's over, and then we'd have to try to figure out what happened uh, here in front of these microphones later. It's never a good time to figure out stuff. In front of <laughs> Koloff then brings Tully back into the ring with a vertical suplex and goes for the cover, but Dylan pulls Nikita off. Koloff rolls to the floor and grabs JJ, rears back to give him a Russian sickle. But Dylan moves, and Nikita hits the post with his arm and goes flopping around like a dead fish <laughs> on the floor. Arn picks Koloff up and sends him shoulder first into the post, and the horsemen begin to work over Nikita's arm. Koloff begins hulking up. Yeah, that's I wrote the same thing. <laughs> but Arn what else hits, do you call that? Uh, like... It's like it's hulking up. I mean, it's people did it before kinda, him. It's, it's kind like, of the thing that a we thing. know it as. Yeah. Because that's what Hulk did. It was like biggest move. Yeah. Also, like, you know, um, in Marvel, he becomes, he, hul- he, hul- he hulks up from, from Banner to Hulk, right? Gets angry. That's true. So, I don't, I always try to want to, I always want to call it something else, but I always catch myself writing hulking up. It's like. That's what we know it as. He pow- powers up? It's not yeah. as, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't feel right. Sense. Yeah. Looking up, Arn hits a spike DDT to put Nikita down. Arn goes for a backward splash, a.k.a. a Vader bomb. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. That's what we know it as. But we haven't seen Vader yet, so I didn't want to call it, quite call it that. But, I can't wait. Well, I guess that's New Japan. Like he never wore the really cool mask in uh, the U.S. Like the like the big like thing that smokes. Ever seen that? No, I don't think so. Oh, it rules. I'll show you a clip later. Koloff gets his knees up, crawls to give Sting the hot tag. Sting with a back body drop, drop kick, and a press slam on Tully. Then an atomic drop, but Tully blocks it and goes for an atomic drop of his own. But the Stinger floats over and hits a drop kick. So many atomic drops in. Atomic, inverted. I love atomic. I love, good, I love, I love a good, good one. I just like in. Yeah, I just feel like I've seen one. Yeah. yeah. Sting with the double noggin knocker and then locks the sleeper onto Arn. Arn escapes with an elbow to the gut and tries to suplex Sting, but is blocked. But then Tully for a sunset flip, but Sting stays up. Yeah. And punches down. They make yeah. They make Sting look real strong. Koloff comes charging in with a Russian sickle on Arn, and then we get a stinger splash. And Deathlock on Blanchard while Nikita keeps Arn at bay. 
Tony's counting three Ding. bell rings. Sting and Nikita start celebrating. They yeah. even grab the belts. I think they put them on even. Until announcement comes. Bum, bum, bum. Time limit draw. Uh, how how you feeling about these time limit draws, man? Um, this match is good. This match is... Re- that's the thing. It I sucks because all I the matches are good. And- when the match is good and it's not obvious that it's going to a time well, if it doesn't, draw, It's not a grind. Yeah. You know, I mean, I realized after a while that this was, this was going to happen, but it didn't feel like that from the beginning. Oh, yeah. Once, once it got past like 12 minutes, I was like, okay, we're going to... I mean, to also, the- yeah, like they take time to, you know, work some limbs and stuff. Like there's some cool storytelling. In I it. mean, Sting and Koloff were a tag team, so for them... They're also they they're need, both, but they both totally fucking rule. So yeah. it's fine. So you don't want to give those two guys a loss, but they don't need the belts because they're not a traditional tag team. Yeah, they were just thrown together because they're like, we need to give Sting something to do. Yeah, we got to we, we got to build Sting up. Like, let's make yeah. him look good. Have we seen Sting win or lose? Oh, this is the second time we saw him. Right, only second or third? This is the third. We've okay. seen him in two time limit draws. Draws. Or no, we've seen him in three time limit draws. What was the first? Because we did the the like the forty five minute Ric Flair like clash that was amazing, and everyone should watch it twice. Time draw. We saw him at Starcade eighty seven. It was the opening match of that show. It was with him and Garvin and Hayes. Oh yeah, that was a time limit draw. He has not won or lost. A I mean, match I yet. feel like that. That's all on purpose. Like, there's a reason that they're. It's all time limit draws. They just want everybody to. Everybody to love them, see if, and they just don't want to pull the trigger yet. Exactly. And it's easy to it's easy to love a man uh, that handsome that moves that well in the ring. So post match, Steen Koloff actually jumped back in the ring and beat on the Horsemen a little bit before the Horsemen are able to get out. Then Tony and Jr. start to preview the next match while fans are walking behind them, giving the four Horsemen down yeah. sign. So that's like anti horseman. Anti horseman. So sign. if you go like this, and it's positive. That's pro horseman. That's, that's pro horseman. Yeah. And then you got anti anti horseman. Okay. You can't see it, yeah, I'm yeah, up, nice down, up or down, yeah, yeah. Up and down. I saw that, and I just thought that was like the the like you know I was like I guess that's anti four horsemen, but like they're heels, so like is anybody positive? I love the four horsemen. I mean, we I, everybody I, does. I would, I would everybody be, does. But I'd like, be raising the four. Yeah, but maybe eight, maybe not uh, in '88 when like kayfabe was serious. Yeah. Everything was more they're serious. The bad guys. The bad guys. Yeah. So we head off to our second match. We have the Fantastics which are Bobby Fulton and Tommy Rogers, versus the Midnight Express of Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane with Jim Cornette for the NWA United States Tag Team Championship. Yeah, two tags back-to-back. How many times have we seen Jim Cornette put in the shark cage? I think this is the first time. Is it? Yeah. I guess I've just watched other Cornette matches, but he's always in, a, he's always in the damn shark cage. So there's a story behind this match. We had seen the Fantastics initially win the title at Clash of the Champions uh, as that match was fantastic to... It was, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. <laughs> Too many fantastics. And we covered that, what, last episode, I guess? And only to have the decision reversed by because of a DQ because one of the fantastics threw the, the ref over the ropes and then got the pin. You can't be messing with the refs, guys. A month later, at a TV taping, they would end up winning the titles, and then this match was signed for the rematch. Now, there were a couple stipulations. If the in an Express, NWA match? In an NWA match, oh exactly. God. It wasn't just a, 
tag team match for the championship, we have to add some stipulations. What are the stips? If the Express lose, they have to take ten lashings from a leather strap. Okay. And not just Eaton and oh, Lane, yeah. but also awesome. Jim Cornette. I, I did catch that because they, uh, they said it in like the commentary, or maybe the announcer did, but like ten lashes. So I can, my, my notes is like, ten lashes, question mark? <laughs> Cornette would be in a straight jacket in a cage mm-hmm. high above the ring. You know what I would love if somebody took the time and money to uh, put Jim Cornette, like, tomorrow, like, it, his age he is now, the wonderful mean bastard, in one an actual shark uh, thing, and he just, like, you know, actually feeds sharks. No, no, I don't want to die. I just want him to feed sharks in one of those cages for my own entertainment while he, like, you know, like, maybe in character. <laughs> like, maybe he, like, hits pieces of meat with, like, the tennis racket under the water at the sharks. So, as the ref is trying to put Cornette into the straitjacket, he is literally trying to bribe him. Yeah, it's awesome. And the ref is not having any of it. No, he's a, he's, yeah. I was like, this ref has more morals than most of these wrestlers. I would have, I mean, how much money was it? He got up to $15,000. Well, shit. Oh, yeah, I would would totally take it. I would be like, sure. Like, yeah, it's like Jim Cornette, yeah. I don't have to put you in the straitjacket. No, I won't, I, I won't even make you go up there. Cornette's facials as he's being raised up into the cage yeah. are he's great. Go- he's always he's gold. so good. I love him. So good. So this match starts, and we get a much slower start to this match than the previous matchup that we saw at Clash. Yeah, because all four of these guys can go. Exactly. That is not an issue. And we get a head scissor takedown followed by a hurricanrana by Fulton on Eaton. But then Lane comes in and kicks Fulton out of the ring... With some sweet kicks. There's, I, I don't know who said it. Either JR or Tony? Yeah, it was one of them, but they said something about uh, that man sold Mike Tyson his first workout video. And I was like, oh, because like, it's 88 and you watch these videos, sometimes they, because the recording quality, they look older than they are. And you're like, oh, it's like 88. It's like, it wasn't that long. I mean, it was, I guess, kind of long ago, but like, I was like, oh, Mike Tyson is like a name right now. It was just like, yeah, it's like he's, yeah, burning up the charts right now. So it was just kind of one of those things that, like, adds context. Because a lot of the times, especially on these shows, they don't really make any references to anything except for what's happening in the ring. And they're typically not very creative. So it was probably JR. Because usually this is what the world has been is watching. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's normally because usually it used to just be like Tony Schiavone. But this match is very back and forth early on. We get a fun sequence where Eaton goes for a superplex, but Rogers floats over and drives beautiful Bobby into the turnbuckle to roll him over for a schoolboy pin. But after Eaton kicks out, Rogers climbs to the second rope and comes off backwards with a crossbody. JR mentions at this point that the athletic commission is present at ringside to keep an eye on the matches. And I was like, oh. Okay. Is he just trying to make sure that everybody knows that wrestling is real? I guess so. I was like, sure. But maybe they were just setting something up. We'll find out. Eaton Irish whips Rogers when Fulton tag, and Tommy flips over beautiful Bobby, and then Fulton pushes Eaton towards the ropes, and the Fantastics hit a double back body drop. All four men in the ring and the Fantastics are Irish whipped toward each other, but they drop to the mat and then kick the express. Rogers is then back body dropped high up into the air, 
but is able to land on his feet and goes for a schoolboy pin. But Lane is able to make the tag, and as he was pushed into the ropes, so Eaton comes in and bulldogs Rogers face first. More bulldogs. I'm just yes. saying they are. They're we like. I feel like I don't see him, and very... not just Matilda. No, no, not just Matilda. Uh, I do. I feel like that you don't see him even today very often. But every time I see one, no. I'm always like, man, it's fucking great. Yep. If somebody like sells it, that's good. The Express start working over Rogers with lots of tags and double team maneuvers. Eaton hits a, hits a scoop slam, followed by a top rope leg drop. Lane with the Russian leg sweep, and the Express go for the rocket launcher. But Rogers gets his knees up in time and makes his way to Fulton for the hot tag. Fulton with lefts, rights, back body drops. He's running the ropes when he gets tripped up by Lane from the outside. Lane then grabs Fulton and pulls him to the outside and power slams him into the concrete. Yeah, I mean, he, was, he wasn't super, super harsh about it, but I was like, ooh, ouch. Rogers is in the ring now with Eaton, and he comes off the ropes with a crossbody that ends up hitting beautiful Bobby and, and the ref. Rogers then throws Eaton into the post, shoulder first. Yeah, what do you, like, that needs to be a name for that, too. I came up with rubber band slam, but, like, I don't know. You need to work uh, on yeah, it, man. Post shot? That's not good. No. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll work on it. Lane jumps in the ring, and now he has something in his hand and charges towards Rogers, but Tommy ducks and back body drops stand, sending him to the floor where Rogers follows to brawl. Was that thing the famous FO? It was a famous <laughs> FO. Eaton now has the FO, which turns out to be a chain. It's like a wallet chain. It's like, what is that? Like, come on. And he's wrapping it around his hand. And Fulton's back in the ring now and goes to pick Eaton up. The beautiful Bobby decks him with the chain-wrapped hand for the pin and, and the, the win. win. And new! Post-match, the Fantastics are trying to explain to the ref about the chain. And the ref even checks Eaton's tights. But finds nothing. They should just like throw foreign objects into the crowd. Because can you imagine how cool it would be to be in the crowd and like, I got the chain. Well, you think that's a good idea? What? What they actually did is an even better idea. What they do? Fulton all of a sudden has the chain. And JR mentions, Eaton must have hit it in Fulton's tights <laughs> when he pinned him. <laughs> uh. And Fulton then goes to deck beautiful Bobby with that chain. Everyone's brawling on the outside. Cornette's being lowered down, and the Fantastics begin chasing Cornette in the straitjacket still. Because they got to hit him with that leather. Fantastic chase Cornette around the ring and then into the ring. They grab the belt off of the refs <laughs> and then begin lashing Jim. You think this is all Cornette's idea? Like, okay, you hide it in the guy that you were putting in his pants. Like, um, you're going you're gonna to take oh, it off the totally. it's like Because it's, like, it's, too, it's too good to be anybody else's idea. And let me wear a straight jacket with padding so, so you when don't I, hurt you, me. Yeah, yeah. It's, because like, what was the point of the straight jacket? If he's in a cage, I guess because uh, like he, if he was up there, he could have thrown something down, like uh, thrown an fo down to them. Maybe I guess I guess I can see that. Because at first, like that's what I I thought the the foreign object was thrown down by him when I was watching the show, and then I was like, oh wait, no, he's got the straight jacket on. But they begin lashing Cornette in the middle of the ring until the express. Also, why didn't you just to... like pull out that? I guess you got to wait for the right timing. I was like, why don't you just? Out the fo early, but you gotta wait for the ref. Gotta, I know, gotta I wait know. For the right minute, man. Maybe they did. 
Bob Cottle, like, Cornette and the Express are running down the... And Bob Cottle, I guess, stops Cornette to try and talk to him. But we don't hear any of it. No. And then they run off because the Fantastics are right Run-in. on their yeah, heels. Yeah, it's, like it's like they were trying to do the, you know, halfway back uh, to the to the locker room interview. But the audio was a little messed up. Yeah. JR and Tony then review what we just saw. And we see a massive cage being lowered into the ring. Could that cage be in the shape of a tower? It would be a tower, could that, not just a cage. Could that, yeah. Could that tower uh, be the source of some people's doom? Very well <laughs> could be. So our third match of the night is Alvarez. Right. Okay, so see you in five minutes. <laughs> Ivan Koloff, the Russian assassin, Kevin Sullivan and Mike Rotunda. With? A.K.A. Team Sullivan with Gary Hart and Paul Jones. Is that because he booked it? Pretty much. Well, it's pretty much because the main feud is Kevin Sullivan versus Jimmy Garvin. So I'm calling them Team Sullivan and Team Garvin. And then Team Garvin is the Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal, Jimmy Garvin, of course, Mm -hmm. Ron Garvin, and Dr. Death, Steve Williams, with Paul Ellering, (laughs) in a Tower of Doom match. All right. Um, So the story behind this match... Was that Jimmy Garvin and the Varsity Club, a.k.a. Kevin Sullivan and Mike Rotunda, had been feuding with Jimmy facing off against them in multiple different style matches. Like we saw the College Rules match at Clash of Champions between him and Rotunda. And at one point, Sullivan kidnapped Precious. (sighs) Somebody leave, everybody leave Precious alone. Which is, which is a scene that we saw in the video package at the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. We see we see Sullivan like carrying a precious. woman away, and it's precious. Yeah, there's there's only one like maybe one woman in the like. Yeah, stay, I think baby doll's gone. That like sticks point. around. What's it? Wait, is it precious and baby doll are the same person? Right? No, they're completely maybe different I'm, people. Maybe I'm conflating. But after Sullivan kidnapped Precious, it's thought that he may have hypnotized her. That's pretty funny. Uh, Dr. Death would also become an ally to the to the Garvins. They don't tell us any of this, after, right? No, this is all any of this. this is all uh, me Matt doing putting research. in the, putting in the elbow grease. Yeah. Steve Williams makes a save at one point during a match, uh, during a beatdown, so he becomes an ally. The Road Warriors and the Russians had actually been feuding, actually competing in some scaffold matches. Yeah, it's amazing how smart they uh, expected wrestling fans to be in 1988, and how they. Well, I mean, how, like, I guess just WWF, because that's all. That, the only, like, style of wrestling like this that's still around on television yeah. or whatever. But, like, yeah, it's like, ah, I can't get through anything without a video package that from something that happened 10 minutes ago. <laughs> that's true. That's very true. <laughs> uh, but and, they and here they won't even tell me what the fuck's going on. <laughs> so they were added to the and match I wanted as well. Them. So we had five men in each side. So let's talk about this cage. Do we have to? So the cage has three levels, which get smaller, two, yeah. And each each one level one is a small, yeah. Cage, so it's like normal size cage, bigger, and then yeah. And then the third level yeah. is an actual like what you would think of as a cage mat. Yeah, yeah. Like Basically, a like cage. a hell in a cell type. Yeah, because it has a ceiling on it. It's like the chain. It's the chain link. It's not like the big square. Like uh, it's not like the square like actual heavy bars. Yeah. And there's two extremely tall ladders on the outside of the cage. It looks rickety. For them to climb up to the top. First, Precious comes down the walkway and mm-hmm. enters into the bottom cage. And we're told that she is the key keeper. Basically, she opens the door yeah. for you if you get to the 
once bottom you get to the of bottom the cage. of the cage. Because you obviously, what are you going to do once you get to the top? I guess if there was the first person at the top and it was just a brawl, that'd be a whole different kind of match. But it could be kind of interesting. So the rules for the Tower of Doom match, each team has five men. Every two minutes, a door will open, allowing a man into the structure or the doors to the next cage down. Is it or or both at the same time? It's both at the same time. Okay. They have to make their way down to the bottom cage where Precious is, like I said, is the key keeper mm-hmm. of the cage. And then she unlocks the door for them and they can get out. The first team to have all five members exit the tower is the winner. And this takes forever for them to get this completely prepared. Like, yeah. The ref is up there on the top because, like, he's a like ref, checking a stuff, making sure to, like, that, yeah. Has to have the timer on his belt and he's having to hold the. Yeah, he's the, like the checking buoy. the. He's like checking the rig and stuff. It doesn't look all doesn't safe. It doesn't look safe at all. Well, those, just those tall ladders because I was expecting everybody to, like, okay, so you said every town at the bottom of the ring, but no. And then they would have, and to, then they climb would have up. to climb up. But no, they're just all standing on top of this thing waiting to. I've seen, you know, the famous Hell in a Cell match. You shouldn't be standing on top of this stuff. I did not like it at all. It was off. And they're in the top cage, which is tiny. Like, it literally did not look like more than maybe four people should be in that cage at any point. What was it? Like, maybe six by six foot? Yeah, at best. They start brawling in that top cage. The horn blows, and Dr. Death and Mike Rotunda enter that top cage. Six by six is only big enough for one... (laughs) But also, when that horn blows, the trap door into the lower cage opened, descended into it, and closed it behind him. So Dr. Death had to face a two-on-one disadvantage. How long did it take for you to take notes on this? Uh, as long as the match took, because I go through it as quick as possible. Uh, okay, cool. Because I started, and I was like, mm, Matt's got this. <laughs> <laughs> that I couldn't even pay attention, let alone find out what's happening. It's hard to see what's going on in this match because... Maybe it'd be... I think it could be... Because there's multiple levels yeah. and camera work. Like, the only good camera is really say, the one that's far away. Mm-hmm. And the lighting it, rig is actually... Yeah, so it's like, it's like so the cage is too see, tall for what they're doing. Yeah, you can't see really Honestly, if on like the they cage. had better technology, you know, zoom in and like the cameras could kind of show what's going on. But it just... Yeah, it looks like an ant farm. I'll mention it now because I might forget later. One of the MVPs of this ma- of this show for me, guy who climbs up that ladder oh after everyone else is in the ring. Yeah, and those 88 cameras. It's probably the, like 40 pounds. Stands on the top of the bottom cage so you get a better camera shot of yeah. the second cage. I was like, yeah, you the MVP, bro. <laughs> yeah, he definitely I hope was. you got hazard pay for this. Yeah. He probably got an extra $50. So Garvin's in the second cage. Dr. Death's facing the two-on-one in the top cage. Two minutes pass, the trap doors open again. Dr. Death and Ivan Koloff make their way to the second cage, but Ronnie Garvin makes it all the way to the bottom cage. He's there by himself, so he's like, hey, Precious, unlock the door. He gets out. He's gone. We don't see him again. Oh, he just le- he's the left side? Of the, uh, the rest of this match. Do not see him. He just like... Deuces, I'm out to the locker room. I'm gone. Al Perez and Road Warrior Animal made their way into the top cage while Koloff and Williams, like I said, are fighting in the second cage. The crowd starts cheering when Dr. Death starts just beating on Koloff. Yeah. The crowd is, cage. like, surprisingly, like, like ever, I was like, I was like, man, I feel bad for this crowd. And then they were a little kind of, like, they kind of start 
mellow, but like as this continues, as the they're show actually grows. they're paying they're actually paying attention, and they get hot for this match. Yeah. And I was like, these people are these people well, like I think wrestling more the, than I do. Like I said, the lighting rig was around that top cage, yeah. So I think it was hard to see what was going. Plus, a lot on of them there. are probably like looking up, and it's like that's gonna be like we, we have a like straight on view, and it's yeah. still hard to look at. Two minutes pass. There's the horn again. Perez and Animal make their way to the second level. Road Warrior Hawk and Russian Assassin get into the top cage. And that cage, this cage just shakes throughout this throughout this whole yeah. thing. It's just like, ooh. Another two minutes. Hawk and Assassin are now down to the second level. And Perez and Animal down to the bottom level. And Jimmy Garvin and Kevin Sullivan are in the top cage with Mike Rotunda. So Animal hits some move. Because following three levels is tough. But it's <laughs> mostly just brawling. Yeah, this is some outlaw shit. Like, this whole thing is just some outlaw shit. And he knocks Perez down. Road Warrior goes to Precious, gets the key, goes out the door to give his team a 2-0 lead. But Perez gets up from the move, and he's just like... What do I do now? I'm in this bottom cage by myself, so... Hey, Precious, unlock the door for me. And he walks right out the cage. like, what are you supposed to do? Just kill the man in the bottom so he can't get out? Like, that... It's like, that's where this match it's like, is this kinda, supposed to be murder? That's where this match kind of falls apart. You know what I really would love to see, and I don't know if it exists, but like the notepad that Kevin Sullivan or Dusty Rhodes or whoever came up with this. It was a Kevin Sullivan. Okay, I, just, I would love to see like his like his like little kid drafts of this match on a piece of paper. I'm sure like Jim Cornette probably owns it, and it's in like a box or maybe hopefully framed because I bet it's hilarious, and um, we might have to Google and see if it exists because you know that they had they have to draw all these ideas out and stuff. But I just want to see. The, the drawings that like Kevin Sullivan's fucking weird ass made with all his rules written out and stuff. I've seen the ones for like the Elimination Chamber, but that's not nearly as funny as this. JR then starts talking about the great work the crew is doing getting some of these shots. Which, and like I said, they deserve it. This is this is where the, the MVP started <laughs> yeah. happening, was right here. Uh, two minutes and the trap doors open once again. Rotunda finally drops down to the second level. He's been in that top cage even though he was the first, first person in. into the top. See, that's, that's smart and fun. That's why these guys are hot, because they're paying attention. While Russian Assassin, Koloff, and Hawk all drop to the bottom cage. Assassin and Koloff are beating on Hawk and go for a double clothesline. The Road Warrior ducks and comes off the ropes with a double clothesline of his own. The Russians have recovered to keep up the double team. But Hawk reverses an Irish whip to send the assassin flying into the ring and then knocks Koloff down. Which we don't really see how he knocks Koloff down. Hawk then makes his way out of the ring and Team Garvin have a 3-1 lead. But once again, that leaves the Russians alone in the bottom cage. And so they just leave the ring as well. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I guess and we're it's done. now tied yeah. up we're at done here. three people apiece. Two minutes and the horn blares, and Dr. Death makes his way to the bottom cage and leaves the ring. So we got J- Sullivan and Jimmy Garvin down in the second level. Rotunda, Rotunda is as well. And Garvin gives them a double noggin knocker. The varsity club are working over Garvin, but Jimmy ducks a punch attempt that sees Sullivan hit Rotunda, and then gorgeous Jimmy sends Rotunda into the cage. Two minutes, and the Garvin goes for the door. The Garvin. Sullivan piles on top of him so Rotunda can drop to the bottom cage. And Rotunda is let out, so it's down to Garvin and Sullivan, who are still in the second cage. Which is what you have to do to make this work. A brawl erupts on the outside as Rotunda's leaving. 
Yeah. But remember, Ronnie Garvin has <laughs> left ringside. <laughs> He's not even out there. To... So it's literally the Road Warriors and Dr. Death versus Rotunda and the Russians. They're all they're all big boys, but I think yeah. that Doctor Death and the uh, Road Warriors have a little they're bit the of bigger, advantage. They're the bigger, the boys. Yeah. Garvin starts working on Sullivan's leg to slow him down, but Sullivan kicks Garvin off right as the horn blares, and Kevin goes for the door and drops down. Garvin's able to follow, and Sullivan is trying to grab the key from Precious, but she's fighting him off. Garvin then slams Sullivan's head into the turnbuckle and goes back to working on his leg. Brain Buster! I love, I fucking love Brain Buster. And Garvin tells Precious to unlock the door, but she kind of fumbles Mickey, yeah. and drops it, but then goes to unlock the door. The door is open, and Sullivan comes from behind and pushes Garvin out the door, which gives Team Garvin the win. But Sullivan then locks the door back. And it's just him and Precious inside. This is, for how much like sloppy, weird bullshit this is, it all makes sense on paper for what they're doing, trying to do. Precious is fighting for her life. And Jimmy Garvin... Although, what are you going to do when you're locked in a cage? Like, that cage has got to... They're going to have to lift that at some point. They're going to have to leave the building. You're just going to hang out with Precious in there? The door's locked. It's locked to the steel post. They can't go anywhere right now. Yeah. Jimmy Garvin and Hawk... Yeah. Start climbing back to the top because that's the only oh, way wait, back, back into the It would have been really great if uh, at this point uh, Garvin comes out from the back with some like some clippers to like clip the chain link and they all crawl in. Hawk ends up beating Garvin down into the bottom cage, gives a huge flying clothesline to knock Sullivan down, grabs Precious, and gets her out of the ring. This match makes no sense. Five seconds. It's like, yeah. I mean, you know, Kevin saw on party dust like everybody else at the time period. <laughs> so, like, it's probably, I mean, it's it sounds cool. A lot cooler if everybody's, uh, you know. So, JR and Tony review the match and the aftermath. How many stars did they give it? <laughs> I'm sure they did. They then send it to Bob Cottle, and he starts talking about the match as well, and then previews, which leads us right into the fourth match of the night. Fourth match, Barry Windham with J.J. Dillon versus Dusty Rhodes for the NWA United States Heavyweight Championship. And so there is a story behind this match. Is J.J. Dillon the busiest manager? I mean, he is the executive director of the Four Horsemen. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's like he's always out. I mean, I guess you can say the same. I guess, I don't know. You don't. I feel like you see the brain a lot, but... Not as much. I feel like I've seen Slick quite a bit lately, too, as far as WWF goes. So, the story behind this match is kind of two-sided a little bit. First up... There's two sides to every story, man. There is. First up, last time we saw Barry Windham, him and Luger had just won the tag titles from the Horsemen. A few weeks later, Windham would turn on Luger, causing them to lose the titles back to the Horsemen, but Windham would also be welcome in to the horseman turning heel at this point. And then the last time we saw Dusty, we had we had this running storyline during the Clash of the Champions where they kept telling us something about Dusty happened. And then we talked about it at the end where he attacked Tully Blanchard after Tully was berating Magnum TA and ended up he ended up hitting Jim Crockett himself oh. with like the 
with the bat with his bat by accident. You don't want to hit the man that pays the check, that writes the check. Exactly. For that incident, Dusty Rhodes was suspended for 120 days. So uh, was this um, when Cody was born? Maybe. (laughs) I mean, Dusty made appearances. Is this his maternity leave? He would show up as the Midnight Rider. Oh, okay. So we We didn't catch any of that, did we? No. And that. His suspension is up. You think, I bet Dusty fucks with the Allman Brothers pretty hard. Probably. That was a great song. But because he was suspended, Dusty was actually the U.S. champion at the time. And he was stripped of the title. He's forever the U.S. champion. He's the son of a plumber. And baby. that is why you may hear during the comment, you may have heard during the commentary that Dusty never lost the title. Yeah. Um, that's I had that as a question for you. Like, exactly. Dusty never lost it. I knew you would have the answer. So they would set up a tournament, and Wyndham would win the belt during the tournament. He actually beat the Midnight Rider so, oh, during the tournament. Where's that match? I mean, it's probably doesn't. It was they ran it during like house shows. And TV yeah, yeah, yeah. And whatnot. It's not on. It's probably not taped in any like. And once Rhodes was back, good way. Wyndham would actually attack Dusty. What did What did he look like as a Midnight Rider? I think he just wore like a mask. Like probably like a Zorro mask or yeah, some sort. I would love. I mean, it was probably obvious that it was. Dusty yeah, Rose. I mean, come on. Like, there's no way uh, that you, you probably didn't have. wear polka dots or. Anything, yeah, but. I would love to. Like, that's our next shirt. Is it's a Dusty is the Midnight Rider, but instead of, but it says Midnight Rider in the almond uh, the Almond Brothers font. <laughs> <laughs> so Jr. and Tony would play up the Big Brother Little Brother storyline. Quite a bit, you know, the mentor, mentee. Yeah, it's classic. You gotta do it. Early on, we get a shoulder tackle by Dusty, which sends Wyndham to the floor to take a timeout. Press slam, DDT, actually a good-looking one, and an elbow by the dream. Everybody gets one. Before he goes to the top row. He's not all, he's mostly all elbows. Why is Dusty Rose going to the top row? Yeah, that was cool. And he goes for a cross-body press for a two-count. A bunch of right hands. Before How did the, the crossbody look? Better. All right. Was it, was, okay, was it better or worse than uh, OG Starcade Ric Flair crossbody? Probably about the same. <laughs> That's okay for Dusty. Yeah. Um, it looks oh, yeah. good for a Dusty crossbody. Also, yeah, that being said, uh, RIP Harley Race. Always will be our first champion. Yeah. Well, I will, we'll, tag, we'll, we'll add something at the end. Maybe the beginning where we won't do it at all. But, yeah. He was probably like 80. I'm sure he didn't take care of himself. 72. Okay. Well, I mean, that's old, but that's not, like, crazy no. old. No. I mean, how old is Ric Flair? Probably a little bit younger. Yeah. He looks like a bloated skeleton. It's yes. great. Well, we get the dusty roll and the double punch, which sends Wyndham to the mat. JJ on the apron, and he gets a bionic elbow that gets him all tangled up in the ropes, and the crowd is popping. Yeah, dude. People love seeing people tied up in the ropes at this time period. Yeah. Tangled up. I can't remember the last time I saw somebody tangled up in the ropes. Not Except for like, not in, in like a, unless like a 619 happens, but I don't even yeah. know if that counts. No. That's not tangled up. That's not tangled up. No. The two men are out on the floor. Wyndham is slamming Dusty's head into a table and then goes to give a pile driver, but Rhodes reverses it into a back body drop right onto the concrete. Rhodes back up on the apron, and Wyndham tries to slingshot Dusty into the ring. When is it a good do- idea to slingshot a man that's 350 pounds? I don't know. I like 
I like that Dusty seems very uh, here for this match. Like he's, I do too. I feel like he's put in the work. Too. He seems more. He's like more animated. He's moving more. It's maybe that uh, time off. Maybe uh, doing the midnight I mean, rider, may, or maybe, maybe uh, because, or maybe of he was who he's facing. He wants to. Yeah, he's trying he to put him look, over quite yeah. a bit. But he he looks like he he seems more there, or maybe he just had got some really good blow <laughs> in Baltimore. It's always it's always a good option. <laughs> But Wyndham's not unable to slingshot him, and Dusty reverses it to slingshot Barry out onto the floor. Dylan jumps back on the apron, distracts Dusty, while Wyndham sneaks in from behind to hit Rhodes. Wyndham then locks the claw onto Dusty, who's throwing left and rights to escape, but to no avail. That's another thing that helped me with this match was I realized that Wyndham's from uh, Texas, and I've been following. He's been killing it, and he's been doing the claw, and I'm like. Like the cause getting over for me, not quick. It's slow. It's slowly because it's just one of those things. Like a trap holds. Like, ugh. Yeah, the the hole makes no sense. No, like you know, Lance Archer's been doing. Yeah, he's been doing so great, and he sells it so well that, and they're like making that strong. So it's okay. It's getting better. Is that they have to take their? I mean, obviously, if they're right-handed. Yeah. They have to take their left hand and hold the wrist. Yes. The right wrist, or it's not. Just yeah. holding the forehead. No. Uh, yeah, but I was watching this. I was like, oh, like that's his. That's his send up. Like I don't think Which, Lance, when he was tagging, did he? No, I don't think so. Yeah. And Barry Wyndham's father. It's crazy because I texted you. While I was watching this. I was like, ah. Like, and oh, that was that I'm was connecting his things. finisher. It's worth it to go back and back watch this shit. Yeah. So Dusty starts dancing to kind of hook up and mm-hmm. climbs to the second rock. We got top rope. We got second rope. Dusty. Rhodes raises his elbow, but he's got, drags him back to the mat. Dusty getting his third wind and delivers a trio of elbows to knock Wyndham down. And he looks to put the figure four on, but Wyndham grabs him with the claw. Rhodes climbs up to the second rope once more, still in the claw. But this time Wyndham releases punch Dusty and then goes for the superplex. But Dusty punches him off and the ref rolls all the way to the floor. Dusty slams Wyndham off to go for the cover, but no ref in sight. Dylan starts creeping his way up. He's like, oh, sweet. Tower of Doom's still going. No, it's still not happening. Sorry, guys. He grabs Dusty and smacks him with the hands of stone. Dylan then rolls the Wyndham, locks the claw on once more, pushing Dusty's shoulders to the mat for the the pin. pin. I love that, like, your hand on their head. It's like, if you... If that's not, if it's not just an excuse to be a big guy, then it's, then the claw can be more believable. Like if you can do other shit, but like, you know, if it was just somebody that wasn't particularly a great worker, like the big boss man just did the claw, it'd be like, fuck you. But if you, I feel like if you're going to do some stupid shit like that, you can get away with it if you're, if you can actually work. So post-match, Dr. Death comes out to check on Dusty and like, and everyone's kind of like, what was going on with Ronnie Garvin? Like what happened? What is happening? And we actually see a replay that shows the last few moments of the match. And it kind of gives us a little bit more perspective on Ronnie Garvin. Because the camera work that we see during the match doesn't show the full story. Ronnie actually jumps in the ring. And Dusty tells him to get the ref and roll him back in. And then I guess Garvin just decides, I'm done with this. But then, JR and Tony send it to the back. 
where we see Ronnie Garving standing there with J.J. Dillon, Gary Hart, and a briefcase full of money. Ronnie Garvin's just sitting there laughing. Yeah. Like, there's no sound at all. No. He just, but he's laughing and he like takes the briefcase and he just runs off. So Dylan paid him off? That's what I'm going with? Yeah, yeah. That's what happened. Less morals than that ref in that earlier <laughs> match. Totally. Uh, also, I don't have a Twitter, but when I do, uh, my Twitter name is going to be uh, Dusty Rhodes Birthmark. That's <laughs> good, right? I'm sure somebody already has that. There's a good chance. Yeah. So we're headed off to our fifth match. We got Lex Luger versus Ric Flair with J.J. Dillon for the NWA World Heavyweight <laughs> Championship. Story behind this match, Luger left the Horsemen and began feuding with them and became a huge fan favorite. Lex would be beat down by the Horsemen when Barry Windham turned on him during a tag match. And he would end up becoming the number one contender just because he was a fan favorite. He was at a big time. baby boy. Yeah. Uh, Lex Luger is, this is really mean. Uh, I am not the world's most handsome man, but Lex Luger is an ugly dude. <laughs> like, where's, why, don't, why isn't Big Sexy Sting up here think, at the top of the card? I'm make the he's at the bottom of the card. The last time you mentioned this, mm-hmm. I keep talking about how ugly he is because he's got, he's just ugly. But it's I don't think they're looking at his face. They're not. I think they're looking at the total package. Package, yes. Maybe he's got like a real good dong. I'm not looking at that, but... The face like that, he deserves one. Probably. So early on this match, Lex hitting the power moves and headlocks to wear down the champ. Flair gets some chops in, but Lex no-sells them. We get a hip toss, drop kick, a gorilla press slam by Luger to send Flair to the floor. And Flair calls for the ref while he's out on the floor. And then... He gets over there, and, let, and Flair shoves him, I guess, hoping maybe get disqualified. That's what I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, DQ, DQ will work for Flair. Yeah. So, But the ref shoves him back, Yeah. then runs back into the ring, hides behind Luger in the ring. That's some Uno shit. Like, it's great. We then get another gorilla press slam, followed by a bear hug by Luger, and Flair escapes it by making it to the ropes, but Lex then vertical suplexes Flair from the apron back into the ring. And I never realized that Lex is is pretty good. I thought he was more like of a warrior or uh, like a Goldberg. Well, a lot of the matches we had seen from him so far... Yeah, but like he does some cool shit in here. There were still some rest holds type stuff. Well, yeah, because, but I mean, this is... But, I mean, this is, he this has, is a, he has yeah. huge arms, so it, they made sense. Yeah, and you're also not going to get a, a sprint in a title match. No, like I mean, the, like that's not that's not what it's supposed. Like you gotta you gotta build. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you gotta you gotta you gotta tell a story, man. Yeah. You can't just have a. It's not lucha. It's not triple mania, which I should have watched this weekend. Because <laughs> have you ever watched any of that shit? I have not watched triple mania. I watched it like last year, and it is nothing but like light tubes. Like you have no idea like what's in the match. There's always at least like three like wrestlers that are also clowns. Uh, there's like guys named Hamburger. Uh, and like it's just, it's complete. It's like the most. It's a. It's like watching a train wreck. Was it hamburger or cheeseburger? Well, cheeseburger's a guy, I think. Isn't yeah, cheeseburger's like, like a scrawny black like guy? Ring, guy? Ring of Honor. Yeah. Uh, no, it was, this is a different. I think. I mean, he's probably named Hamburgesa, but uh, <laughs> I don't remember. I just remember it's like it's just complete insanity. It's like there's intergender matches. There's shitloads of light tubes and clowns and like. People with like light up gear. I hope Aerostar didn't like fall to his death. I hope so too. But uh, that stuff, it's 
the complete opposite of like the wrestling I typically watch, but it's like like I said, it's like a car wreck. It's so like I don't wanna though. like I don't wanna see anybody get hurt, but also I can't pull my eyes away from it and I have no idea what's going on. And it's nice because you also don't really care what happens you're just like taking it all in but i didn't know that it happened Uh, last year i just like happened to have the day off and i was on the internet and there was like a link there was a link to triple mania like streaming on like twitch or something the only thing i ever streamed off of twitch was mexican wrestling (laughs) so luger hits a leaping elbow drop but then a lackluster pin attempt and goes for a second elbow drop but flair moves Flair backs away to the floor and Luger follows, but gets an eye rake and his head slammed into the guardrail. Flair with a snapmare, leaping knee drop multiple times, and Flair starts working on the ribs of Lex. Luger reverses an Irish whip and comes off the ropes with a flying clothesline. Flair with another snapmare and heads to the top rope, but Lex is up and shaking the top rope to cause Flair to fall onto the top rope, crotching himself. It's fun. I like that uh, Lex has done a lot of no-selling in this match. He did or, like, some. Like, not too much, though. But it he didn't wasn't much. as much as Sting yeah, in the Clash match. That's very true. Sting, like, just... But for some reason, it worked. That was yeah. the thing. Like, it's like, yeah, it's all, usually, like... I, I usually hate when... Like, I, I get a few no-sells, but as much as he was no-selling, yeah. it didn't... It's like, no-selling in, like, 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 a strong style, like, you know, slap fest is a different thing, because then it's, like, fighting spirit or whatever. Exactly. It's not It's not just, like, it, you're, like, working through the pain as opposed to, like, just saying, like, hey, that... Luger with a hip toss and goes for another drop kick, but Flair's not there, So we, but we still get a Flair... Flair sends Lex into the turnbuckle, but Luger comes right out with the clothesline and goes for the cover but Nature Boy gets his foot on the ropes. Lex is on the apron when he gives a shoulder block and then goes for the sunset flip. Flair's trying to stay up, but Luger finally completes it for a two count. Flair starts attacking the legs of Lex and slaps on the figure four. Rick's grabbing the ropes for leverage, but Lex finally rolls over to reverse the pressure and Flair releases the hold. Flair's back to attacking the legs, but Luger's able to recover enough to clothesline Flair over the top rope. Momentum. It was momentum, so no DQ. <laughs> so what's not momentum? Like if, no you, like if you, like if you, if you gave the person the momentum, it's still momentum. Let's just say when the announcers have to tell you, yeah, why it's not a DQ, it's a dumb rule. Yeah, it's like just don't even, don't even address it. Nobody even knows. Exactly. If you didn't address it, nobody would even question That's it. Correct. Flares back in, chopping away on Luger's chest, but you can see Lex just getting mad. He flexes and begins to stalk Flair around the ring. Gorilla press slam, but Luger's leg buckles, so he can't make the cover. Knee drop attempt, but Flair moves. Flair goes to the top rope, and Lex gets another gorilla press slam. And even JR is realizing, that's a lot of gorilla press slams that we've had in this match. <laughs> Luger has Flair in the corner and starts giving him punches, but Rick counters with an atomic drop, but no cells, and clotheslines Flair. Luger going for those punches again in the corner, flings Flair to the opposite corner for the flare flip over the top rope and to the floor. Hip toss. Flair tries to hip toss Lex, but is blocked, and Luger turns it into a backslide pin attempt for a two count. Luger with an Irish whip, but Flair comes off the rope with a Fez press, and Lex catches him as they tumble over the top rope. Which one's to the, the Fez floor. press? I know Luthez. Basically, he comes off with like knees, the knees basically right into him. Oh, uh, okay. It's a. Uh, Paige does it as one of her really finishing moves. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I definitely, like, now that you say it, I'm like, I remember seeing that because I was like, huh, 
Like that's not very common. It wasn't a crossbody, but it's it's yeah. kind of like a crossbody, like a flying double knee kind basically. of. Basically, yeah, I remember seeing it and being like, oh, but yeah, I, th- I didn't know that it was called a fez press. You just know that shit, man. You got to know your history, Brian. I'm working on it. That's what I'm so here for. Flair starts screaming about his leg because they landed on the floor and everything, but he's still the first to his feet. Rick then grabs Lex, slams his head into the ring post, and grabs a chair. And the ref is fighting with Flair to take the chair away. And J.J. Dillon slams Lex's head into the ring post, which busts Luger open. Did you think you were going to get Luger blood in this match? I did not think I would get Luger blood. (laughs) Yeah. This also, this is, I think, some of the first blood in this match. It's the first blood on this entire show. I mean, well, obviously the uh, NWA is... Compete, trying to compete with the WWF and the WWF. I don't think we've seen any blood yet. Like one match, maybe. Yeah. The entire time we've talked about them. But I mean, we used to just, yeah, earlier in the show, every single time it was the end, it was just like, it's like, oh, it's but like you we'll, just look at somebody and you start bleeding. We'll understand why this is the only blood in the entire show here in a few minutes. Flair's punching at the cut, but Luger escapes with an atomic drop and a power slam. Luger's setting up for the torture rack. When the Maryland State Athletic Board Commissioner is at ringside trying to get the ref's attention. Even going as far as to grabbing the ref's leg Jesus. as Lex is getting Flair up into the rack. The ref calls for the bell Ugh. and the crowd is going wild. Of course they are. Sting, Steve Williams, and Nikita Koloff join the celebration in the ring until the ring announcer makes the official announcement. The athletic commission has stopped the match due to the laceration on Luger's head. The crowd starts chanting, "Bullshit!" Is this the world's first bullshit? I mean, it's not the first bullshit. Not the first. Probably, uh, yeah. But the it's like because even in this, like he does it at least in once in every single match. Jr. talks about the athletic commission, and I was like, it's gonna come into something here. And then even when the cut happened, I didn't even put it together. I was like, huh, all right. But it happened so quick after the cut that they basically tell you there's a cut before you fucking see it, I think. It would have been interesting if, because Dusty always bleeds in his matches. Yeah. If they would have set it up almost maybe a little bit even more there. Oh, yeah. But he didn't. That's the reason why they didn't bleed. Bleed, yeah, that makes sense. Because what if uh, they were setting? Yeah, like they what were if, setting up what this if like uh, Dusty got like a small cut? Uh, and the athletic commission like stops the match and like and they like pause and they're like okay like you know he's okay like and they like pause and clean it up and then they finish the match and then in this one Luger gets cut open but it's like they, they you know they do a nastier cut job so he's just like legit bleeding which would have been like but the smart thing is, and fun and is, gross and I don't really Luger, want everybody to Luger's bleed I don't want people to bleed like that Luger's laceration is minuscule minuscule compared to like, like any of these other exactly. NWA shows it's like he's his was like it, like the hard way it was just like oh it's just like a, a smatter like a, a yeah. smear I, like it had stopped bleeding by the point that they actually yeah. called for the bell yeah no it was nothing like like really, what Dusty or Rick would have done if they yeah. if they had really anybody in any of these I mean like yeah his was uh, his was very very about PG. Wouldn't it have made more sense for Rick to have been busted open yep. and then put in the torture rack? Yep. And as uh, I just imagine as Lex, Lex is winning, yeah, they call for the like. That's smarter. Like literally, they're they're calling for the belt as Rick is tapping. And it would have looked better because we you know Rick because we would have been like because Rick Lex was, just beat Rick, but it doesn't matter. But the commissioner stole the victory yeah. away. Uh huh. 
that's the same kind of picture we got, but they screwed Lex with calling DQing it for him. Yeah, but but like everybody knows Rick, the Rick, Rick leads. never tapped. It would have made mm-hmm. it would have been a more visually important thing. Also, it would have looked better because like Rick would have cut deep, and it just would have been like blood like Everywhere. flying out of his yeah. head and down the back of Luger. Exactly. And maybe they were trying to get away from that much blood. It would make Very sense. Likely. I mean, like if Turner's doing the I next mean, show. What what I've understood from doing my research, Maryland was a very was very adamant about no blood. Oh yeah, and so they kind of did this because of as that a thing. It's like F- so they could so also it's kind of an fu, but it's also kind of an excuse for the fans that prefer the WA like you know more like bloody like shoot shoot ish yeah, I mean, style. It, it, it so they at least have an excuse. So at the end of the reason. show, they're like, "Where's all the blood?" And it's like, "Oh, the athletic commission's there." So we get a replay of when the laceration happened. Obviously, it was when Dylan knocked him into the ring post. Yeah, and then he fell you, down. And, you see and he took a thumbtack and exactly. pressed it into his head instead of using a razor blade, probably. And then JR and Tony review the match, thank the hardworking people as they show the credits, and say their goodbyes. And it's time for us to give our overall thoughts. Uh, I, uh, I, that last match is really good. I just wish I had like one less chromosome so I could have been as hot as that crowd. <laughs> I'm not calling wow. myself a smart man, but like I don't know. It's just like I sometimes I like watching these old crowds. They get so hot, and I'm like, man, I wish I could get that excited about anything. Like I was, we like I've been to wrestling shows and been like super excited, but and like, but like holy crap, these people are jumping up and down. I've thrown my fists up. I've chanted. I've yelled. I've cursed. Got goosebumps. Never jumped up and down. No, never have. Never some like some of these old shows. They scream like it's a Beatles concert. I guess that they, they I guess the crowd had like turned into the hive they are today where everybody just starts chanting together. Everybody was on there. The screw finishes even if they yeah, were foreshadowed. I mean, yeah. Because they were foreshadowed. Yeah. We had a match that just didn't make any sense at all. Oh, which the, one? The Tower of I Doom. I know which one it was. And then Dusty basically destroying someone a sure. Yeah. Because they think they're still hot shit. I mean, but that's just going to do what Dusty going to do. made this show kind of like, eh. I like the show. Uh, oh, okay. I didn't hate the show. No, it's good. There's some good, there's good stuff in there's here. There's good parts. But it's the thing with all NWA. We never get clean finishes. I'm like, this show was really good. We just wanted a clean finish. And at this point, I don't expect clean finish. So it's like, uh, no, I got to, I, I got to, I got to be fair to the product. I can't just be, it's like, it's like, you know, what's the definition of insanity? Like doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. It's like, well, I can't be that guy. I feel like that's, <laughs> we're, we're hitting the point yeah. with NWA shows that we're getting, we're and that's why I, like, I'm throwing my arms up and I'm just like, well, what did I like about this? And that's for the true. most part, that's I liked true. most things about it. And that's what you have to do. Yeah. I mean, you can't just be like, oh, yeah. This entire show is going to be great. Even, you know, it, it's not going to be. We, we know. The entire show is like, there's good, there's, there's always good stuff. There's good and points. the there's thing is, points. is I feel like once we finally, like, started to decode the NWA, where we're like, oh, like, this is, this is your, you know, your hardcore, more, like, realistic, blah, blah, blah. Like, once we started to get the vibe, now we're kind of working out of it. So I feel like we'd probably have some different opinions going back to some of these shows, which we are not going to do. No. <laughs> I mean, maybe, the, the maybe I'll go back to them on my own time, but not in front of a microphone. Exactly. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? There. All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So what were some of the best moments? Because like we just mentioned. Yeah. The show is a show of good moments. Yeah. But not good overall. Um, I like just seem more present. 
You know what I mean? He didn't seem as lackadaisical. I mean, I agree. I, I like agree that. with that. He. It seemed like he was into. Yeah. Making sure that the match was good. Mm-hmm. I, he just kept getting up from the claw. He wasn't like, not the thing. Is, like, if you're going, if you're going to do something you, as silly as a claw, you got to sell it. Exactly, and just to keep like literally the last five minutes of that match is basically him and that claw. So the next match that we watch, Barry Windham, if he puts the claw on, and that person just goes and down, that, and that person just ten seconds, yeah. it's going to be like, wow, maybe it's Dusty a, Rhodes well, is awesome. Maybe you have, and you got to just work those temples, <laughs> like and uh, like once you got to wear them down. Like I like that a lot. Uh, of course, uh, Sting is the NWA, and he looked great. Uh, I mean that first match is great. Other, I mean, it's time on the draw. It's like it is. Other than time. Time. It wasn't. It was great. It wasn't. It wasn't him and Ric Flair time on the draw. Great, but that was like we're mm. kind of coming to the end of Nikita Koloff. He, I think his wife is sick at this oh, point. Really? Well, he's, yeah. So I think he's starting to take a step back. Because we were wrestling. like a couple episodes ago, we were like peak Koloff, and we we're like, oh, just that he's obviously not like this. You have your Luger's and your Stings coming in, and Koloff is kind of a fading, fading star. The the ref doing some doing uh, his best red shoes. Yes, I love that because it was like we don't get a lot of like ref personality at all in any of these shows, and that was like it's like this it's funny it's good uh, it gets huge reactions from any crowd. Uh, I love Cornet. Uh, his yeah. I mean, I mentioned it earlier. His facials in the in the yeah cage yeah. He's like yeah. He's a, well, he's him not, trying yeah. to bribe the ref. Yeah, I think he says, "Can you be bought?" Like on and you can he hear it on. Says that. It's either you can you be bought or like will you take a bribe? It's one of the two, but like you know, he he seriously just says that, and it's super funny. It's super great. How about disappointing? Anything disappointing on this show? I'm kind of tired of of draws and like dumb finishes, but I'm gonna be tired of those until I die, as long as I continue to watch wrestling. So it's fine. I mean, I get. I was kind you, of you okay. Want, you want to build people? What I'll up say is, it was not make them yeah. lose. What I was, what I'll say is that it's a bummer that because that last this thing, Ric Flair with the time of a draw, totally get it kind of disappointing but the next match sting should have either a clean loss or a clean win if his last large match on television was we've a seen, time on the draw three in like, a row. like i mentioned we've seen three sting yeah. matches two every two single is fine one, every yeah. single one of them has been a yeah. draw three is not a charm in this situation we need to see the man win so if the next sting match is has a him not pinning somebody it's, it's gonna be really like, upsetting like, it's gonna be like it's just gonna be like ugh. Because then you're setting me up to uh, expect something, and I want to, I want to, I want something unexpected. Exactly. To Best performer of the night is it Sting. I mean, is Rick, it Rick Flair? That was a that Flair? was a really that was a really good Ric Flair performance. I not agree. that there's I like agree. not that they're like they're always there's always like the your baseline Ric Flair, mm-hmm. and sometimes you get you know varying degrees of better than that. And I feel like this was a really good one, especially coming off of that last match where. We had like forty-five minutes. Sting and Ric Flair both putting on like they were. I mean, they're Sting's a young guy trying to come up, and Ric Flair is obviously has faith and cares about the person in the ring with him because he does. He's he's present. Like Dusty was present in in this show. I mean, we really haven't mentioned the the other horsemen, Tully and Arn. Yeah, I mean, they're those, those guys are always, but those guys are kind of like always your, great yeah. in everything that they do. They're your, so it's kind of like they're your solid mid card guys. It's like they're always I mean, great. The other tag match, Fantastic Express, that was a great. But match. Yeah, those are, those guys are legends. I mean, but the, I've never seen a I've never seen the Midnight Express not be great. 
Exactly. I've seen them in not so great matches, but I've never seen them not be great with whatever they're given. Anything surprising in this show? Not a whole lot of blood. I know the last show didn't have much blood, but that was because it was on television. It wasn't a pay-per-view. Yeah. So I kind of expected to get a little bit more. Not that I care. I mean, anytime Dusty shows up, I expect blood at this point. Yeah. So. Now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The Dusty Finish. In 1925, one of the many wrestlers that the Gold Dust Trio had trained, Stanislaus Zabisco, would turn a championship match into a shoot. He would double-cross the trio by winning the championship from Wayne Munn. Munn was a former football player, but not a legitimate grappler, so Zabisco took advantage. Zabisco's betrayal was done in order to help put the belt back on Joe Stetcher, who had earlier split from the Gold Dust Trio's camp. However, three years later, Stetcher would lose the belt back to Lewis. This betrayal was the first of many rifts that began to form within the trio and their crew. Next week, SummerSlam 1988. The first summer that... Uh, was a slam? There was a slam? They got slammed? Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, SummerSlam is one of the big four, right? It becomes one of the big four. It's the last of the big four that we that we start. Oh, yeah, I guess because what? It's we, I mean, we've now seen the Rumble, WrestleMania. Rumble. We saw Survivor Series, Survivor Series yeah. in 87. What's your least favorite of the four? I don't want to spoil it for anybody. No, no, not of these four matches. Of like the four, like you know, in oh, your top, just, like oh, of, oh, just of the major of the major four. Um, WWE papers. Do you go like WrestleMania, I mean, Royal Rumble, or do you go I mean, WrestleMania? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Rumble guy. I know you love Rumble. I'm a Rumble guy, and then probably WrestleMania. Then so, probably SummerSlam. Yeah, Survivor Series. Just That's what I was getting at. Always... I only asked this question so we could shit on Survivor Series a little <laughs> bit because I did like. Those big team matches, it's just not a thing. It's very exciting. Music from this week's show. Theme song from Great American Bash 88. And then, of course... What's the theme? Oh, the theme song from this one was pretty good because it was like actual rock music. It was like, oh, like it actually sounds like a rock well, and... be careful because it might be a... Dubbed. I don't think it was because you can tell when it's dubbed in. Uh, I feel maybe. like I can tell when it's dubbed in. Maybe. And then, of course, Ric Flair, still a champion. So we're going to get some... Spatch Zarathustra. Has there been like a uh, a like like record store day where it's like just a Ric Flair like picture disc that has that has like <laughs> this song on it? That would be great. I would so. Good and then on the the other side is just like some like like Ric Flair promos. Like the B side is some Ric Flair promos <laughs> with like the mute with the Strauss song like playing lightly in the background. It could maybe it could be maybe like uh, Ric Flair, like I don't know, and and maybe a mashup where it's like him and the monolith, or like he's like holding, it, trying to push it up with his back. I don't know, just spitballing here. Or a DVD with uh, it's like side by side Ric Flair promos and 2001 playing oh, at the same okay. time. But just the end of 2001, yeah, where exactly. it's just the trippy part. Hey, if you like us, you can rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podcoin, or just wherever you find your podcasts. You can always email us at WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter where we're always tweeting out fun little things. Uh, oh, I've got a... Tweeted out a Harley Race tribute video uh, a few weeks ago. And I found a Dusty Rhodes uh, uh, like local Mexican restaurant uh, commercial. There's totally put that out. Yes, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll find it on the internet and uh, give you the link because it's pretty amazing. He's like... 
taking a bite of some guy's like enchilada <laughs> like a table. <laughs> it's really funny. But thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week.